0: The Move Against Cancer podcast. I'm Sophie Mulligan and I am joined today by Leah Barrow. Um, And we are going to be chatting all about what it's like for a partner or a carer, a a relative of someone going through uh, cancer and cancer treatment. So the reason that I wanted to get involved with this podcast uh, was because I've, if in case any of you listening don't know, um, I work for Move Charity, but I also came through the eight week online program as a patient. Uh, so I've had leukemia three times and I'm now two and a half years in remission. And my partner supported me from the very beginning when I was diagnosed at 19 um, all the way to now. And I almost thought that he was the forgotten element um, in sort of my journey and my experience. And so when this opportunity came up to chat to Leah, I absolutely jumped at the opportunity and it is absolutely Great to have you here today, Leah. So welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That's no problem. Um, So for those who don't know, um, Leah's partner, Andrew, actually did a podcast with us previously and he sort of documents his journey on that and sort of his treatment, his, his mindset and things like that. So I think for anyone who's listening today, Leah, I think it'd be great just to get a little bit of background sort of on Andrew's journey, his his treatment up to now and things, um, just so we can sort of get a bit of context as to what we're talking about here. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, no problem. Um, so Andrew was diagnosed with um, a form of non-Hodgkin's non-Hodg- lymphoma called follicular lymphoma um, back in July of 2021 um he was a af- athlete still is um a healthy you know 26 year old male who didn't see this coming um he started experiencing some really low key symptoms just bad stomach ache bit fatigued you know things that could go along with being an athlete um didn't really think twice about it until he had some lymph nodes pop up um, in different areas of his body so went through a long process um, in getting him diagnosed biopsies to find out exactly which um form of non-hodgkin's lymphoma it was um and eventually got to the point where we got a staging and a process of treatment that he'd have to go through um so he went through chemotherapy and immunotherapy, a combination of both for six months um and was fortunate enough at the three month mark to get a complete metabolic response so um you know his his cancer is an incurable cancer, but it's one that can be put into remission um if if you're lucky enough through through the treatment so um, we got that news three months in, which was a real big boost um, over the six month treatment. So he got scanned at the end of the six month treatment and um, was was still in remission at that point. So so that was fantastic. Um, and you know, over the past year and year and a bit, it's been just over a year now since he finished treatment. He's got back into his running. He's started to get back into normal life. That there's definitely been struggles. Um, along the way um, that's both mentally and physically um, but unfortunately we did just receive some scan results over the the past month um, that show that he has had the cancer reoccur um, and it's come back so we are now looking at um, you know in the next year six months to a year having more chemotherapy and a stem cell transplant so um, that's pretty new news to us. Um, and we knew the nature of this, this disease would would follow this path, but we didn't expect it so soon. So yeah, um, unfortunately, that's, that's the situation we're in at the moment. So I suppose my first question is because I'm sure you've
0: had a lot of friends and family call and see how andrew is but how are you leah um and i think you know we can't forget about you so how are you doing with that news
1: yeah um that's a good question and one maybe um the partner or caregiver doesn't maybe ask enough um the focus quickly turns back to to you know what you need to do rather than how you are um how am I? I'm shocked. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, this has come as a really big shock. We we didn't expect a relapse for a few years. Um, we just that was based off hope, really, um, and the good scan results from last time. So, uh, feeling deflated, shocked, um, a little bit numb at, at, at the news. Um, been difficult to process. Um, and just kind of looking forward to what does this mean? Um, what does this mean for us? We're due to get married this year? It, uh, is is he going to be having treatment over that? Um, you know, what does it mean for you know both our careers? Um, what does it mean, kind of, in terms of what the next year holds? When will treatment happen? Will it be? Will it be successful? It, it's it's the unknowns that really are really tough. And then also just finding the strength to be strong for yourself, but also strong for for your partner who has to take the physical load of it, which is just so heavy. Um, I hope that describes a little bit of of how I'm feeling at the moment. Um, But I think the main thing is just still processing what it means, and yeah, feeling a little bit bit cheated of of only a year of remission at the moment. Yeah, um, honestly, like. I, I do sort of understand
0: some of the feelings that you may feel I, I'd i relapsed twice before I'm at the point that I'm at today um and yeah like I, I selfishly I suppose I thought I, I was just thinking about myself at those moments and you've put it so clearly there that it, it's your life as well isn't it you, when you have a uh, partner who you know you choose to get married to and uh, like we're engaged to and we we got engaged years ago and and it's never sort of come into fruition like being able to plan a wedding and things like that until sort of where we are now and it's just sort of opened my eyes to oh god I was being really selfish at that time because you know what I was sort of picking up on there was that in terms of your career so what what do you do at the moment and and will you sort of have to, I don't know, put your career on hold or, you know, things like oh, it's just so many things that you shouldn't have to think about. But you do, unfortunately, as a, as a carer. So, yeah,
1: career wise, what does
0: it kind of mean
1: for you? Yeah, so I'm um, in the latter stages of um, training to be a sports psychologist. So I do practice as a sports psychologist, but um, I'm just a year or so off being chartered at the moment. Um, so it's it's a very difficult thing to handle in terms of you know being able to do my job and also cope emotionally myself and and there's a lot of kind of um self-reflection and and boundaries that i need to keep an eye on with what i do um because it's it's very emotional in terms of what i receive from clients and so if it's going on at home as well sometimes it can be um difficult but that's something that i do re- review all the time um but it's, you know, I'm at the very start of my career and, you know, Andrew's at the start of his as well. So it's a difficult time for us to both have to have taken a break already, um, you know, a year or so ago when he was in treatment. And now look at maybe having to do that again, because, um, you know, the type of treatment that Andrew will need going forward is, is so kind of heavy physically and mentally, as you all know yourself, Sophie, being going through chemotherapy. Um and you know the stem cell transplant's a new thing for us as well so that's another kind of you know some time in hospital and the main focus and the main priority is what will Andrew need from me during that time um and the career has to kind of mold around that um but you also have to pay the bills so it's it's really difficult to balance these these kind of different roles that you need to be as as a carer you are able to do your job but what the most important thing is is you know is your partner getting the care they need that's the priority yeah
0: um I suppose that is just like your first instinct isn't it like how like let me I need to look after him I need to be there for him like sort of like he's the priority but you know I suppose you are your own person as well and as you say, you've got a job where you sometimes will take that home with you. So you might have had a really bad day at work, and then you go home and you're dealing with your own problems as well. And it's sort of how do you find the balance? And do do you find it sometimes difficult when friends and family, and rightly so, they, they do... Obviously, their focus is, is Andrew. Like you know, they, if they call you, they're going to want to know how he is. If they come to see you, the more to see him, not you. Like you know, that that's what we found definitely. Like everyone who's called our house telephone, it wouldn't be. Oh, how is everyone? It, it's just how Sophie. How is she doing? And how how do you then find a way to take a step back to, and, and take time for you? Take time out of your working day. Take time from you know being overwhelmed with family and friends sort of asking you how someone else is when you probably sometimes just want them to say well how are you like where where do you even begin to find a balance and the reason I ask this is because as a patient it's so easy because you've got that distraction you know well I'm going in for treatment this day and I've got to focus on getting myself better but when you're not that person and when you're not in hospital and you know you you then visit and then go home at the end of the day your mental space you must just be feeling so lonely so isolated and I suppose it is a a really broad question to ask but how do you cope with that mentally?
1: Absolutely it's a great question it's important question Um, and it's something that I found really hard at the start I didn't know how to do that I was definitely you know upon reflection neglecting myself my own kind of well-being at the start and rightly so because my just the focus was was completely elsewhere but that soon caught up with me um and there's a few ways in which I tend to cope now and I'll be better able to cope um moving forward into Andrew's next treatment but you know even you know whether your partner's in treatment or not it's the in-between the fear of when's it coming back the unknown, the fear to plan anything, just the the cycle of of fear and anxiety that you do experience when when your partner's in treatment or not. So it's a lifelong kind of thing that you have to you have to create some habits and put processes and systems in place to stay on top of looking after yourself. And like you said, people's natural response, which is absolutely natural and normal, is to ask about them. So it is actually up to you to to kind of find a way to, to make sure the space for yourself. Um, so I have an amazing group of people who, if I just need to ring up, I have about three or four people, if I just need to ring them up, they can just sit there and listen to me, <laughs> whether it's crying, whether I'm excited, whether it's hopeful, whether it's just silence. Um, I know that there's, there's those people who will be there to scoop me up when I need. I think it's really important to have that Support network of your own friends as well, um, that care and obviously care for you and your partner, but are there to care for you. Um, finding those people is important. And then, you know, I'm an athlete as well, I've always been a runner. Um, going out on a run that's my time, that's my space for when I want to think about things. I choose what I want to think about in that moment. That's my half an hour, 40 minutes of, of space. Um, And that is a really useful time as well. Um, And then also, I just wanted to mention, you know, a a few people might know of of this charity too, um, Maggie's, who um, are attached to a lot of the hospitals, the cancer treatment hospitals. I found during Andrew's last treatment that I needed to go and I did a few courses. One was stress and anxiety course. I you know, been part of a bereavement course, because I lost my mum to cancer as well. Um, So meeting other people who are going through a similar thing, that's, that's not just cancer patients there. It's a mixture of cancer patients and caregivers, um, has been unbelievable for me. And, you know, I've met up since with with someone I met um, within those groups. And I go into that coffee knowing I can say anything and that person can hear it because they know it and they understand it. And um, so it's finding it's it's creating a bit of a toolbox for yourself i think as as a caregiver um or or a relative and knowing when you need which one um but it takes some time to create that kind of of knowledge of what you need yeah
0: and it does sound like you do have a great toolbox there um of you know coping strategies places you can go people you can talk to and i think that's a little bit of a contrast to what we had so when i was diagnosed was only 19 so i was supported by charities that focused on young people so um young lives versus cancer teenage cancer trust and they were very focused sort of on me and what support i needed and financial support that i needed and um any sort of like um Activity days and things were centered around me and and meeting other people. It was always other cancer patients, whereas my like my partner didn't know anything about that. Um, and we ve- only very very recently, I'm talking within the last six months, knew about Maggie's. Um, and it was somewhere that my mum went to at, at one like one of my sort of like follow up appointments last year. And she was like, "Why didn't we know about this sooner?" um and I think that was the hard thing because we were so young I did sort of say to my partner I, I said to Alex like you need to stay and work you need to because your career is sort of still just taking off and and you need to think about yourself and I think that did work to an extent he did have the distraction um from his like work colleagues and his friends and things um but the were times I suppose, where, he'd go out, um, which I fully supported him doing. But then I'd be sat at home thinking, oh, that should be me going with him. And and how dare he, like, leave me? And he needed to do those things. He was young. He needed to take time away and stuff. And I suppose, do you ever feel that sort of guilt? Because I know he he did feel guilty because I'd come back and give him an earful and I'd say oh did you have a nice time like it's, it's a shame I can't do that isn't it but and I never ever ever wanted to make him feel guilty it was just that you just felt so much emotion and it come things come out in the wrong way and um and I think sometimes he would come back and think oh probably shouldn't have done that really I probably shouldn't have gone out and and or shouldn't have gone to work today I Should have been at home with her and do, do you ever feel that sort of guilt because it's a horrible thing isn't it that that sort of guilt feeling
1: Totally. I can completely resonate. And, you know, it's, I feel like as a, as a caregiver and a partner, like your, your foundation through these times are made up of helplessness and guilt, and it can be hard balancing everything on a foundation of those two feelings Um, completely normal. Like we, we love our partners and we want to just take some of the load um, in any way we can, but we can't. And it's so difficult. Um, but sometimes, you know, you do need that space to just breathe and come back and and reflect on, you know, what you can do rather than what you can't do. Um, and what you can do is keep yourself as healthy and in a, in a, in a good space as possible. And using your toolbox and you know like you said for Alex going away having a breather coming back as a better partner for you um sometimes that can I find ease ease a bit of the guilt um just making sure that if you look after yourself they don't have to worry about you as much so that you can be the best person you can be for them sorry if that's a bit of a long-winded answer but yeah, I um, I get
0: that because I used to sometimes as sort of the person going through it, I used to feel like rubbish some days, but then be like, oh, I'm fine. Like, honestly, everything's good. Everything's positive because it was more worried about him. And I was thinking, well, if he thinks I'm all right, then things will be fine and he, he'll he feel okay and stuff. So I, I do get that completely that, you know, it it is. It's it is, it, it's, it's such a conflicting thing, isn't it? Like, you feel guilty for enjoying your time when he's poorly, but then he probably feels guilty that he might be taking up too much of your time and you need time for yourself. And it, it really is. But yeah, I, I used to feel that all the time. Like I used to sort of put on the brave face that, to make him feel all right. And he probably knew I was lying. but
1: <laughs> you just It's, that, him, it's yeah. that massive clash, isn't it? Of, of wanting the best for each other. Yes, and, and that's yes. such a clash in itself. Cause you want the best for them by being doing everything you can to support them in every single way sometimes probably overpowering with the support and they want you to just live life and it's this clash of um you know it's such a whirlwind and and there's phases of it as well but sometimes you know the caregiver struggles with there's not more that I can do and and maybe you know there's been times that Andrew's been like like you mentioned, I'm all good, because I don't want you to, you know, you know, the words have left his mouth of like, I'm sorry that I'm holding up your life. And that absolutely crushes me. Like, I'm just absolutely not, there's nowhere I'd rather be um, than with you supporting you through this. Thank goodness I can be of some help to you. Um, But there is this, you know, it takes communication because there is this clash, it takes this communication of how can we find a middle ground here that makes us... Both feel like we can cope, just cope. It doesn't have to be thrive. Um, just cope with what we're both going through in in separate ways.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something that sort of like this rolls in nicely to sort of what I was going to say. Then, um, you do, and a lot of this conversation now is being focused on. Well, how do you cope compared to how he copes, and what do you both do separately to sort of like take some time away and and get in the right frame of mind, but. What about, like, things together? So, like, what, on my good days, so, obviously, I've had a lot of treatment. Um, I was on chemotherapy for two and a half years before relapse, and then I had a stem cell transplant, which, again, I was in hospital for a long time, but then the recovery from that was very long. So, we had long periods of time where I was on treatment or either not feeling good and things, but on my good days, i going tell this to everyone, we would still try and do the things that we loved together, and it just brought some of that normality back so there was days when I'd say to Alex like oh I feel all right today should we go and get a coffee and a cake somewhere in like our favorite garden center where we love that specific coffee and that specific cake and we do that and we would feel so much better for doing that and you know only only we knew what we were going through everyone else in that garden center didn't have a clue that we were a, a young couple going through you know I had cancer and he was supporting me through it and stuff but so for that moment we just felt like us again and we felt some sort of normality of what we like to do on our weekends and things and that really really helped us so yeah I suppose do you have any sort of things that you you take time out to do together sort of whilst Andrew's still on treatment or not feeling too good and things
1: yeah, well, you've hit the nail on the head because we've got that certainly in common. Our favorite thing is coffee and cake as well. <laughs> in a nice setting and, you know, space to to just chat outside of the environment where you're recovering from what you're going through, um, you know, in at home. And we love finding new cafes, new little walks to do. It's um that's definitely something we enjoy to do together that we can do because as well like um you know i'm not sure about you sophie but um you might just caught the end of it there but we went through chemotherapy during covid so um we couldn't really see family or friends indoors for a long time um so being outdoors was what we could do that's the only way to connect with others in that time um obviously online but to actually see people in person um Kind of after lockdown, a finish. We had to carry on in in lock lockdown to protect Andrew and um, in his immune system. So, um, going on walks became a really big thing. Just seeing other humans and enjoying that kind of people watching, coffee cake, um, but also just like rolling back to the whole running um, and kind of scenario and how much that does help. Because that you know we totally believe and and had read and been told does improve you know, how your treatment's going and, you know, keeping that um, level of exercise in when you can, when you feel you're able to mentally and physically. Now we kind of ran together in those times when he felt up to it. And, you know, it was inspiring beyond belief for me to see him kind of pushing himself and, and being able to still run and just thinking what his body's going through. And he's, he's able to do this, that, that kind of strength just inspired inspired him but also inspired me um and just training together and having those kind of moments of actually we're going to focus on doing a training session right now yeah it might only be 15 minutes of something but not on on what we're going through so that was also really nice and you know you can't um pass up endorphins can you they always make things a bit better (laughs) oh I love that you know like that is
0: I mean that that's even inspiring for me to hear you know that and that was something that again we tried to do, like go on walks, and and me parents as well as well was encourage me to do that, Um, you know, on, even after chemo, if I come home and felt all right, they'd be like, right, want to grab one arm, want to grab the other, and and we'd be off, you know, trying to to walk, and yeah, they, those endorphins, it really does, it does make a difference. But just doing things together, um, and I suppose one of my sort of like favorite things to say to people is that cancer is only part of your life it's not your whole life so why should you stop doing things in your life that you love just because you've got cancer if you can still fit those things in and it's still you know safe for you to do certain things then why not like there's such like a big taboo around it isn't it and and even the way people approach it and, and, and everyone means well but they're like oh like oh the period like it must just be so difficult and it's so sort of like there's a lot of negativity and oh it's just so hard isn't it look after yourselves you know just you know rest and 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 sometimes you feel like saying to them we're still the same couple we're still the same people we're still young we still want to go out and enjoy things like you know you don't it doesn't all have to be doom and gloom and and I suppose at the moment Leah like you know you only found out really devastating news yesterday so at at this moment in time you probably are thinking well you know we'll just take some time and um it will feel like you know sort of like a bit of a blow at the moment but in the coming weeks and stuff there will be days where you do sort of that hope spares you on and and you do want to start doing things again together and that that I just think like you can't beat it can you like it's just that sense of normality again and and yeah just being a couple as you should be um but yeah I suppose do you I, I know it's probably a, a silly question but do you ever feel lonely and and isolated so yeah obviously you do these things together but like Alex used to say to me like because I used to say oh I feel dead lonely I'm in hospital on my own he said you feel lonely I feel lonely because who else is there to talk to who's in my situation so do you ever feel like that? So obviously we've we've touched on all the amazing things that you know you can do together. But do you ever feel that like, take a moment and think, wow, I feel so isolated from like the the world and, and what's going on?
1: Yeah, um totally hit the nail on the head there. Like when you said, Do you ever have moments? So like very, you know, over the past six weeks when we first, like, oh, we need to do another scan, waiting for the results, like there's been moments. Where I've just been like, who who can, who's twenty nine years old? I'm thirty this weekend. Who who at my age right now is also having these dilemmas and feeling these emotions and wondering what's next? Like who? And sometimes you know I talk about you know connecting to my friends who are unbelievable. The circle of friends and I'm you know wouldn't be as strong as I feel like I've had to be without them. but there are moments of actually like I just I don't even want to put it on them because what are they to say? Like they don't they don't understand. Yes, they can be there for me. But no one truly, truly understands those feelings and those moments and, and our scenario and what it means at, at our age. Like, you you know, you've experienced it even younger, Sophie. Um, but it's just a really difficult age to to have to cope with this kind of stuff, like, there's, there's all this transition of life and starting your careers and wanting to get married and wanting to start families and, and and actually wanting to travel like, you know, this is the time to be doing it. And instead, actually, the focal point at all times is, can we make it to the next month or so without some bad news? How are you feeling? What's to come? Can we plan six months in advance? I'm not sure that's a bit risky. We have done and you know, this is what's happened. And, it's, it's such a balance of, of kind of talking to people about that, but also knowing that, you know, no one can truly, truly relate. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult. And going to Maggie's has been has alleviated that slightly. Like there are, there are people, you know, practitioners there, counsellors and other family and friends as a specific group for just family, relatives, caregivers, um, who I've been able to connect with. And that has, you know, taken a bit of a weight off my shoulders at times, um, finding connections. They're not always my age, um, but it's still a little bit of um, alleviation of that heavy weight of no one gets it. Yeah. And I suppose picking up on what you've just said there, like the the,
0: the world doesn't stop. Time doesn't stop for you. So In total, we sort of lost seven years of our lives um, to cancer and the treatment and and things like that. And all all my other friends now, I feel like have experienced so much more um, of life than what we have. And yeah, we're still young, like I'm 26, 27, we're still still very young. Um, But those years where, you know, everyone was going out, going to parties, like going on holiday, like we didn't have a holiday for like four years because we were just... We just couldn't. Um, it was I wasn't able to fly, and uh, my immune system wasn't good enough, and and things. And, and people don't realise that. People think, oh, she's unwell. She probably feels a bit nauseous. But you know, people don't realise. Like if I like if you go out, you could potentially be exposed to an infection that could kill you. Um, and that's what like Alex had to say to people in work because they used to say to him, "Why do you wash your hands so much? Why why do you put sanitizer on your hands so much?" And he's like, "Because if I pick something up and take that home to Sophie." that could put her at serious risk. So his whole lifestyle and, um, you know, things that he does had to change. And and that was because of me. And uh, I always say to him, oh, I put you th- through some stuff, didn't me?" He? And he's like, obviously, I wouldn't have it any other way. But, um, you know, it, it, it it's things like that, like you then become, so him as a partner, and I'm sure you understand, you have to change certain ways to, you know, be there but more importantly keep your partner safe um and, and other people they just don't get it do they like work colleagues friends and that they probably look and think oh he's going over the top or but he's not it's just that's how strict and, and stringent you've got to be when you're
1: supporting someone going through cancer treatment oh totally um it, the way they have to live you also have to live that way and there isn't room for this and that we're talking, you know, like you said, their life being at risk, there's no room for error, like you have to live in that way too. And, um, you know, as, as you said, Alex said, wouldn't have it any other way, like, this is where I want to be doing this um, by Andrew's side, and anything I can do, it makes me selfishly feel like I'm helping. But um, I think it's difficult, you know, just bouncing back to the age and stage of life that we're at um other people who haven't experienced this type of thing like it's just it's not what they should be hearing it's not what they want to necessarily be hearing it's not what they can hear it's it's um and that's where the kind of loneliness kind of stems in as well like when you say oh I can't because of this or oh um we've suffered a relapse oh okay no. what no one really quite understands um, until they've been through something. And that's so normal. Like, how do you know something until you've experienced it? And no one knows. Like, it's um, – and balancing, you know, not feeling frustrated at that with just that plain kind of attitude of, of course, no one gets it. This is such a unique situation, but I'm still feeling really lonely. And it's it's difficult to, to strike that balance at times, um, definitely
0: yeah I think I, I do think Alex would probably agree and I must actually get him to come on here himself and t- tell you I feel like I'm sort of speaking for him but um yeah I think because it was like a long time you you just know each other's ways and you, you always know what each other are thinking um so yeah I, I suppose I was uh, yeah I should get him on here to talk to you really you should um, absolutely yeah but Yeah, I'm sure he was agree with all that, that you can have all the support in the world, you can have everyone around you, but ultimately you feel like you are sort of sitting alone in a room and the walls are closing in on you because you are the one in that situation, not them. Um, And words of encouragement and everything, it can only go so far. Um, And then I suppose it's up to you then to, to, you know, use your coping mechanisms, um, you know, Talk to each other as well. I think that was something that we learned is just to be honest. Like, it sort of got to sort of like the third year of you know going through all this. And Alex said to me, "You just need to start being honest. So if you don't feel well, just tell me. Stop trying to mask it. Stop trying to say I'm fine to make me feel better. Just say I feel rubbish. Like I can't. You know I can't go out today. Or you know I'm. I, we're, we're talking about. or maybe we should try and grab something to eat. I don't feel like eating. Like it's it is um there's just
1: communication is key
0: I suppose is what I'm trying to say
1: oh absolutely and you know in every walk of life that's that's the motto I guess but especially in in this kind of situation relationships are about communication but when you're you know put under this much stress this early on in your relationship i'm not not sure how long you and alice were together um you're only 19 i guess before your your first um diagnosis but you know we'd been together five six years so we had quite a solid foundation base but we didn't know you know we weren't used to coping with with huge things like my mum actually passed away just before kind of andrew got diagnosed so our whole kind of um a whole relationship has been just well, not all of it, majority of it has been under a lot of stress and without the communication of how we're really feeling. And sometimes it gets, you know, let's be honest here, sometimes it gets a bit heated of, you know, you do need to talk to me, you do need to talk to me. Arguments are gonna happen under that much stress. Um, but it always comes back down to, okay, well, maybe if we'd have just spoken about the way that you were feeling a little bit earlier on, like we could have, you know got to this point a bit quicker but we've learned that and, and my goodness our relationship has gone from strength to strength in this time because of of what you know Andrew's been through and we've been through as a couple in this time Um, but keeping that line of communication open is so important especially you know as a caregiver like you're you know I sometimes spot symptoms um, that Andrew might be experiencing that he might be thinking oh I could just be tired or I'm not because I guess sometimes admitting to maybe I am going through something again, um, it's difficult, you don't want to be there. Um, but I think it's a team effort in, in you know spotting these things and being, you know, quick to, to pick up on them and call your, you know, clinical team. And it's, it's all about communication and, and just opening yourselves up to one another that we're in this together. Um, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing, I think
0: yeah I couldn't agree
1: more and like you asked before
0: so we we met when we were 17 so we'd been together sort of two years before I was diagnosed so still very very young um but it as you know I sort of feel really blessed that he did sort of say no I do want to stay committed to you because as a 19 year old Lad, he could have just been like, oh, no, sack this off, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting yeah. out of here, well, I've still got the chance, and he didn't, he stood by my side, and I will be forever grateful, and, you know, we are so strong because of it, because we did go through everything together, um, but I suppose, you know, yeah, as you say, that there, there has been some heated arguments, and that is just because we probably weren't being as honest with each other as we should have been, and, you know, it's just everything, sort of it comes it's like a melting pot ready to like boil over isn't it and then all of a sudden you have a conversation which is a very hard conversation as well but then you do feel better because of it Um I you know I always encouraged Alex to come along to any consultations um, and he could ask his own questions I used to say you don't need to tell me can you ask your consultant this you come in here and ask him yourself and you know be prepared for the answers we both have to be prepared that some things we're not we don't really want to hear but you know if you do if you do have a question I'd rather you ask it and I'd rather you ask it while I'm there so that we both know that we're on the same page and again like you know we've got that communication and stuff so he I I suppose he's quite clued up now on on what's spot what's what's normal for me what's not um, if I told him my blood results, he'd know exactly what that meant. And, and I love that. I love that he was totally involved in in what was happening. Um, and I do sort of feel like that's how um, we sort of got to, like, the place we are now, you know, in our relationship. Like, you lost your mom, Alex's dad passed away, um, sort of, like, just after my first round of treatment, but very, very unexpectedly. And um, that was my chance to then sort of support him, and you know but but we had the, the the um communication nailed down by that point so that that did sort of help us a little bit so I knew that you know on days when he are saying to people oh, it's fine it's I felt like saying to him no like you're not like and then in private he's opened up more to me and that was because we did have the communication sort of like much more nailed down at that point um but people say all the time I don't know whether you got this Leah like well you've been through this you can get through anything well when his that passed away that yeah we've been through me having cancer but that's totally different like it doesn't mean that just because we've got through that anything else that's thrown at us we can just deal with that that, that's not the case at all and I think you know mentally we, we both sort of had um mental health struggles and things as a result of like probably all the worrying and the stress over the years as you said before it doesn't go away but yeah do you get that quite a lot people saying that to you
1: Yeah um a a recent one was you know these things are sent to people who can cope with them which (laughs) I I do see the compliment in that and I do see like where that's coming from and again people mean well yeah Yeah. (laughs) people mean well and that is the absolute you know bottom line that that I want to communicate here in the People are just trying to help. And my goodness, that means everything to us. Um, But like you said, when you've heard that a few times and it just keeps on coming, you think, well, where's my end? Where's my end barrier to this? Like how much can I physically and emotionally take? Like I've experienced so many physical symptoms from emotional stress. I could do another podcast on that. Oh my goodness. (laughs) We'll get you Um, on again. (laughs) Um, But, you know it's you have to find your ways but just there's got to be limits like it's 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 so difficult to just have these things thrown at you constantly and and sometimes it's nice to hear people say these things um, and it does give you a bit of strength but sometimes it's like well you're not in our shoes so sometimes that can feel uh, a little bit isolating again okay we'll just keep taking it
0: yeah I I know and and yeah I think we do need to sort of like explicitly say that we're we're not criticizing anyone's approach to you know sort of being empathetic and 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 wanting to help and and care for us um but sometimes maybe like a choice of words (laughs) you just need to think of your choice of, of words and um because what you can say innocently might be taken like you know in in a sort of different way and um yeah almost that well you're not in the situation so how do you know like oh it's all right you sit there and give your advice but you're not in the and it does that 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 that, but that's just being honest that you know we're not horrible people but sometimes things can be sad and in your head you think why have you just said that to me like you know that that's really offended me or that that's really upset me and you know, I, I am the least confrontational person ever, so I will never say to someone, "Why have you said that? That that's really annoyed me." That I'll just take it. But then, I suppose you, a, a more maybe confident person would say to us, "Well, no, you shouldn't take it." And yeah, it's just you do sometimes you feel too polite, don't you, to to correct people? And maybe we should inform them instead. Maybe we should say to them, "Well, no, maybe don't say that in future. Maybe
1: say." something else I don't know whether
0: you feel the
1: same (laughs) yeah totally um completely resonate and you know you're right maybe we should be informing them because otherwise where where does change stem from if we don't um and where does the tabooness stigma kind of you know we're we're delving into another thing here but where (laughs) does that end if no one stands up and says but again, it's difficult, and I I keep coming back to especially our age group, but you know, even just older people who haven't been through maybe as much. um, It's kind of just, you know, if if I do challenge this one that's going to cause me if I'm not a confrontational person, some emotional stress to try and receive their response, which may be quite upsetting, because they feel like they've upset you. um, And cope with a bit of a confrontation a lot of the time my candle's down at the bottom it's burning <laughs> low so do i have you know the capacity to cope with you know other people's responses who don't know how to hear what we're saying or what to say which is completely understandable so i think it's that balance of like you said ch- you know change will come from informing people which is important and we you know going back to our conversation on communication if you don't communicate to people your needs, how are they to know your needs? How are they? How are they to know? It's the same that happens with our partners. Um, And that's where we've got to a good, strong place with them. So um there's such a balance. But I think the first question is, okay, let me take a, a bit of a reflection, reflective moment here. How am I feeling? What can I cope with right now? Okay, no, I actually feel like strong about this. Like, let me just inform um or oh, no I can't today I just can't and that's totally okay yeah that absolutely hit the nail on the head and um, there will be ups and
0: downs and you know you, you've been given news yesterday where at the beginning you, you, you talked about you're just thinking about the future and, and that will have ups and downs that's just the reality of it isn't it and yeah it, it's okay to take days where the pair you just sit down and cry and think oh my god what's going to happen how like you know what will we do how will we get through this like you know about careers you know things like that well no you you need to keep working to, to keep earning us money and uh, you know it, it's but it's okay to be like that you don't have to be strong for each other all the time we are human beings and showing emotion is part of what we do and I feel like now like we are totally at a point where we can cry in front of each other and yeah like sometimes I cry over the most menial things and like Alex is like why are you crying and I'm like I just just let me let it out and then I'll be okay and that but that's fine and like we end up laughing about it because he's just like well that was a bit hilarious you just burst out crying for no reason and I'm like I know it was funny wasn't it and then you do just let it out like honest, we do not have to be perfect 100% of the time, we don't have to be this figure of strength and and determination and positivity, you will have down days, so just embrace it, and and that's part of what we're going through, And, and I always used to say to Alex, like, if you're feeling a certain way, just let it out, even if it's not to me, let it out to someone, because there will come a point, again, with that melting pot, it'll just boil over and it, it it that that's not good for anyone it you need to sort of like let it out when you need to
1: oh without doubt i mean it sounds like you know you guys have been through a similar process to us in terms of um you know i'll speak from from my perspective at the start but then i'll speak about what andrew went through but um i definitely at the start well I saw my dad be the primary carer for my mum and what that took and what that looked like and what you needed to be. I also cared for her, but obviously quite secondary to, to him. But now it was my turn to be a primary carer. And I just took on this role of being a still kind of, I don't know, um, just just not letting any emotion out, really, really. Um, and just trying to be as strong as I could if I can just be stronger if I could just be braver if I can just be this solid thing for Andrew that will make everything okay and I started to experience you know this was after my mum as well so it could have you know been a a flow on from that but really bad migraines dizziness some numbness down one side of my body and I was like you know I even went and had a, a scan for it but actually I just wasn't crying enough I was trying to be too strong and this is where like it is not healthy to be that strong you know I actually when I cried when I had an outburst I my symptoms would be alleviated they they would go and you know sometimes I had to just schedule some time to like have a moment and cry to keep on top of my symptoms and slowly but surely like now I'm just gosh um Something on TV and I'll be off because I've maybe gone <laughs> yeah. too far the other way. But um, you know, everything makes me emotional these days. But I learned through that process that how important it was to to keep on top of. I feel emotional now. I'm not going to store that up into into my body. I'm going to just take a moment and just let it all out and then carry on. And my goodness me, it's more manageable. But Andrew as well, he um, I think you know, similar to what you were describing before in um, wanting to say, I am okay, I'm okay, you know, he's scheduled to go out for dinner, I, I want to go out for dinner, but I don't really feel like it, but I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, just wanting to crack on. Um, and that, you know, really came to a head for him, um, mental health wise, and he would be totally fine and totally strong. And I, I could see that he wasn't he was trying to be strong where he needed to have a moment, but it was, you know, kind of sometimes difficult to say, you know, bring that barrier down. I didn't want to kind of upset him. He was dealing with things the way he was, but then we'd have the, you know, these huge meltdown mental health breakdown moments every like three months, one night, it would be horrendous, like really worryingly. Um, And, you know, we'd have to reach out for help in those moments, it really, really bad. Um, and it just because he was trying to be too strong again, and it never comes to a good place trying to be too strong. We, that's what we've learned. And now we're really open about things. And it's been through experiencing that and some self discovery, that we both learned that. But, you know, it's, it's that process that you have to go through together. And only going through that process can, can you discover what's right for you? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And yeah, I think that's probably, you know, a, a really important point for anyone listening to this. Um, uh, whether you are affected by cancer personally, or you're a caregiver, or you're a family or a friend of someone, that it's okay to have a moment at cancer. Yeah we can sort of sugarcoat things as much as, you know, we like and And a lot of the things we see on TV now, it's all, oh yeah, we're like beating cancer and, and things. Well, it's still a negative experience. It's a scary experience. It's hard. It, it changes people in ways that you would never imagine. And it's okay to feel a certain way. It's okay to feel scared. It's okay to, you know, not know what questions to ask, what things to say whether to you know cry or, or laugh or like literally like there was days when like I, we'd have a sort of like normal day and I'd say to Alex like that that's fine like we've laughed but no one's going to come out of thin air and say you've got cancer you shouldn't be laughing this isn't a laughing matter why shouldn't we like we're two young, normal people who were just going through a little bump in the road. Well, it turned out to be a long bump, in the road, a few bumps in the road, but it's like you're allowed to laugh and, and be happy, and you're allowed to cry and be petrified and, and feel really down and at the lowest points. And it, it's totally normal, whatever way you are, but just don't, I suppose try and be a certain way because it will It, as you said before it'll catch you out in the end and it can it can go completely opposite way and and that can be really really bad um and i suppose any even like healthcare professionals and stuff like my my medical team used to always say that to me because they used to say yes you're an incredibly positive person you're a tough cookie and you're this you that but please don't feel like you have to be like that all the time and you know even to us you know if you're in clinic and you just feel like this is getting too much just cry your consultant's not going to look at you like what are you doing like they see it all the time so they will be they'll expect the tears they'll have a box of tissues ready for you like it's totally normal and and that's fine and like we, we try and sort of make a, a, a laughing matter out of like if, if I was ever going for a bone marrow biopsy like I'm not sure whether Andrew's has one of these but they are the most horrific things in the world they like drill into your back suck your bone marrow out of the bone and and send it off to be examined and um, that's normally done in checkups and things and I'd be literally on the bed like in agony like on the gas in it and then Alex would nearly be fainting because of the sight of like blood and stuff but then We'd laugh about it and we'd be like, oh my God. And then he'd be like, right, should we go for something to eat now? Like, you, you know, it is it is just about like trying to keep like, you know, the the, the emotions at a level what's manageable for you. And um, and that, that's not going to be for everybody. Some people want to get checks done on their own or the partner doesn't want to be there and, and things like that. But, you know, it's just laugh when you can, cry when you need to. Like, yeah, <laughs> I suppose that's, yeah
1: totally I mean laughing is so important it releases those like you know hormones that we need that keep us going as humans like it's just um and I I always think like if you can laugh laugh because you know something worse might be down the road and you'll look back and thought oh you know I had a moment to enjoy and I didn't take it because I didn't wasn't allowing myself and yeah I think you know strength you mentioned being a tough cookie and stuff um I feel like strength is knowing what you need like knowing yourself and it's not just bashing away feelings that are coming to the fore for you it's noticing them and accepting them and feeling what you need to feel in that moment like that's that's true strength for me and I think that's what we've learned the hard way and you know it's it sounds like you have as well and um you know, I think that's really important. And, you know, Andrew does have a um, bone marrow biopsy coming up. <laughs> um, so yeah, and and they actually said, Oh, it won't be painful. And I was like, that's not what I've heard. But we won't talk about that just yet. Because that's in six weeks time. And, and right now, he feels okay. And we need to enjoy that moment, you know, like, there's a lot of scan anxiety that I've um yes yeah like seen about and also have like most of the time we spend worrying about the next scan and then between the scan and the the results and actually or upon reflection we're wasting our now worrying about the future and yes that is so hard to just say don't worry about that like we know that like worrying is the main thing that you do and when you're going for a cancer experience but Um, if at all possible and if it feels like oh I feel like I can enjoy today I feel hopeful today lean into it I I guess Um, you know that's from my perspective it's easier said than done um, but as a carer um, and and a partner that's easier than for you but um, I do think it's important to to keep that in mind when it feels like you can be okay today
0: yeah absolutely I couldn't agree more like on your good days make the most of it and yeah, I'd say that for anyone though even people who aren't going through cancer like we all don't know how long we're on this earth for we all don't know what's around the corner so just make the most of you know if you're having a good day make the most of it and smile and laugh and you know and, and then if tomorrow's a bad day then cry and 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 you know let it out and then the following day it might be a good day again and that's just life and it doesn't that that prospect doesn't change when you have cancer or you are caring for someone who's got cancer like the days will change as, as fast as they do in normal life so just yeah I think I think that and what my final sort of like to round up I did have at the end I was going to ask you what advice you have for other partners but to be honest I don't even know if I need to ask that question because I've learned so much from talking to you and like I, I suppose just thank you for for opening up and being so honest and but if you do have a specific piece of advice that you go by then share it but you honestly you've taught me so much and anyone listening to this have probably learned a lot as well.
1: Yeah um I guess you know it's hard to nail it down into one kind of final piece of advice. Um, because, you know, I'm still really early on my journey. Um, you know, Alex, your partner is is further down the line than me on, you know, being, um, being with someone who's going through a cancer experience and, and what that means for you as a partner. But I think if this doesn't sound too philosophical, coming from my psychology background, <laughs> but just leaning, leaning in, yes, but also leaning out at times um keeping that balance there will help you be the the best version of yourself and all you can do is that um all you can do is is communicate with your partner but also communicate with your support team and communicate with yourself what do i need to be the best version of myself you are you know you are still a person with an identity and it's important that you you keep that at the core whilst also being um a a strength for your partner in by being you
0: oh that's perfect that is literally that that has made me smile so much because i think that's that's what we all just need to hear sometimes isn't it be the best look after yourself for you and then you know you will be the best version of you to support your partner um through, through anything in life you know bereavement um you know I don't know loss of job life throws a lot of things at us which we just can't control um so look after yourself and then you can look after those around you as well um
1: and I think that's a perfect way to end <laughs> thank you Leah <laughs> oh thank you so much for having me
0: Oh, you're very, very welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. Wow, what an episode. I honestly feel so privileged to have been able to have that chat with Leah today. She did, before we press record and we start chatting, we did sort of say whether doing this recording today, this episode would be right for her, given that she only learned of Andrew's relapse yesterday. And she said she'd given it a lot of thought and this was almost like what she needed. It was almost as if the stars aligned and this session come at the right time for her. And I really hope that by opening up and being as honest that, as she was, that she gets a little bit of relief from what must be an, an absolutely devastating time for them both, but you heard just as well as I did. Her, her strength, her honesty, her how supportive she is, and and you know, I honestly think that her and and Andrew will absolutely get through whatever is thrown at them. And all of from all of us at Team Move, we just wish them all the very best, and and you know, we we wish them well, and we wish Andrew the best of luck with his next phase of treatment. Um, But I I personally learned so much from Leah and I think I can take lessons away from her, do things in my day-to-day life differently because of things that she said. And I will talk about this episode for a long time with family and friends because it was an absolute privilege to record. Emotional at times, I, yeah, I've come away from it feeling a little bit emotional myself because I just think, she is the epitome of strength. She's an absolutely inspiring lady and her and Andrew deserve all the happiness in the world. And I'm sure that that day will come for them one day. Um, and yeah, as, as I said before, wishing them the very best of luck with Andrew's next rounds of treatment. And I've, I'm sure that you're feeling as you know, emotional and inspired as I was when I finished recording this episode. So I really hope you enjoyed listening and please leave any feedback. It's much appreciated. Thank you.